there was a moment there a while ago I, I say this carefully in the fear of the Lord the only way I can describe it is virtue was going out virtue was going not me him virtue was going out The scripture says in Mark that these signs shall, not might, shall follow them that believe. They will follow them that believe. He said, in my name, Jesus was speaking, in my name they will cast out devils. you a believer in my name they will cast you understand there are people that need to be delivered and we don't go around going hmm that person at work they got a devil you understand but he said in my name they will cast out devils he said they'll take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing it will not harm them he also said they would speak with new tongues he said they'll lay hands on the sick and they would be healed now for these things to happen we need to be filled with the spirit amen because we can't do this stuff only the spirit of God can do this through us you want God to use you I know you do so we have to be filled with his spirit now when I said well ago I felt virtue I, I, if you need healing today I believe there's healing present the Lord is present he is he is Jehovah Rapha. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Exodus, he identified himself as Jehovah Rapha, which is the Lord that heals. It's not what he does. It's who he is. It's his nature. It's his character. It's what he does. Would you pray with me right now? And if you need healing in your body, if you need healing in your body, I have faith today. I'm speaking by faith in the Word of God and the Spirit of God. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, let healing go into the body of every soul this morning that is in need of healing here today. Those that may be connected, Lord, some way, somehow, that would be attuned to your Spirit, praying with us that maybe need healing right now that aren't present. I pray healing for your purpose, for your glory, for your honor, that it would be a testimony. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you the, the second part of that that I felt when I was praying that there in that moment. I felt the Holy Ghost saying, Virtue is here to be imparted because I want people to lay hands on the sick and then be healed. Now, 
I can't, I can't explain this. I can only tell you what was happening. I believe in us being vessels through which the Spirit of God flows. But I, I'm getting revelation right now while I'm talking to you. I believe in being vessels through which the Spirit of God flows. But I also, now, more than ever, based on the last seven or eight minutes... I believe in God depositing stuff into us that he can then draw out. And what I felt like happened over here is just it was that quick was that the Lord said I'm releasing virtue. And I feel the Holy Ghost wanting to deposit something so that when you and I go out some of you are wanting scripture. I'm going to tell you the scripture the Lord's giving me right now. Peter and John going into the temple said, Silver and gold have I none. Is that what they said? Yeah. But they did not say, Such as flows through me. Did they? They said, Such as I have. Yeah. There was something they already had been given. I hope somebody's hearing this morning. There was something they had already been given that had to be released. And they said, such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They released something that had been given them. What I felt in the Holy Ghost right there. When I prayed, God, let your virtue go. I felt the Spirit of the Lord saying, I'm releasing virtue. I want to put it in somebody so that when they go, they can say, such as I have, give I thee. If you'd receive that today, would you begin to talk to the Lord right now? Such as I have, give I thee. The Holy Ghost is wanting to impart. I don't care if you're six years old or you're 96 years old. He is no respecter of persons. He would impart to those that would receive. And he would desire not that we hold it for ourselves, but we become avenues and vessels that say, like Peter said and John said, what I have, I'm giving you. What I have, I'm giving you in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray right now, by the authority of the Word of God, by the name of the Lord Jesus, Father, whosoever will with a pure motive, with a pure motive and a pure heart that would receive to operate under the influence of the Holy Ghost with a pure motive, I pray an imparted virtue, an imparted virtue by the Spirit of God to release what has been given. For the glory of God alone, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. I'm not preaching today. But here we are. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord? I feel great faith amen. in my spirit. Amen. I appreciate the worship this morning. I'm going to dismiss teachers to their classroom. Amen. And we will, you can be seated if you want to. Praise God.
before I forget, following service, I could use a few able-bodied men uh, to help uh, downstairs. We're going to stack up chairs and fold up tables and empty everything out of the classroom and the fellowship hall. Uh, We're going to stack it neatly and orderly in the classrooms on the side that have carpet. Uh, I don't want just chaos in there. I'd I'd like neat and order so we can still move through. Um, We're going to have those floors down there stripped, waxed, buffed, clean. It's long, long, long overdue. We're going to get that done this week. And then uh, next week, Lord willing, or over the next couple of weeks through to the end of this month, we're going to go ahead and get sinks and counters and stuff installed so we have a functioning working kitchen downstairs so praise God for that amen so we would need help getting those things cleared out of the way so if you're able after service and you're able-bodied men we could use that help Um, Thursday night this Thursday night um, as you know we usually start with prayer around 630 or so and then we have Bible study at 7. I think I told the first service, 7.30. We'll send a message out. Um, help me get that word out. Uh, but we will start at 7 o'clock as always. Uh, come early for prayer if you can. We'll start at 7 o'clock as always this Thursday night. Uh, but brother and sister Mark Harris will be with us. Uh, that's not a name that you know. But uh, some of you may recall last Sunday, I think it was in first service, I shared that Brother David Doan, a missionary that we've supported in Japan and Southeast Asia for many years, he passed away last Friday, uh, literally on the way to the hospital. He passed away with a heart attack. And the Lord's timing is perfect. God knows what he's doing. And... uh, The Harrises have been evangelists on the foreign field. They have not been in a single locale, but they have been evangelists working in many different locales, uh, most recently in India and Bangladesh. Uh, But they knew the Lord was calling them, and they were just recently appointed as missionaries to Japan and Southeast Asia. I, I want you to understand. Now, this is not just announcements, okay? I hope you're listening with your spirit. I think we've learned that. We should always be listening with our spirit. When we prayed last week and we began to pray for the Doan family and then we began to pray for Japan and Southeast Asia, the Lord was trying to involve us. Okay? To involve us in prayer and in the work of God there. All right? I don't think any of us are picking up and heading there. Um... I spent a few days in the Philippines, that's Southeast Asia, uh, in 2019. I may go back. We'll see what the Lord wants to do. But our involvement, we can accomplish more in prayer than any other way. And we, of course, are and will continue to be involved financially. Uh, Brother and Sister Harris have been appointed to go to Japan and Southeast Asia. They will be here Thursday night. All right. We have communicated to them, look, we are already going to support you financially, so please don't come and give the missionary routine. We're going to support you. You don't need to worry about any of that. We want you to come and minister in the Holy Ghost. All right? So they're going to do that. I'm confident of that. 
I believe the Lord is going to fill people with the Holy Ghost. We have people that have been desiring to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Uh, you can do that today, by the way. The Lord can fill you with the Spirit today. It's not predicated to Thursday night. All right? Uh, but I do believe the Lord is going to do that, and I believe He's also going to heal people. Um, now, I have faith for this. Why the Lord works the way He does is His business. All right? We read in the book of Acts, chapter number 8, that Philip went to Samaria, and God used Philip. Philip did, as a believer, filled with the Spirit of God, what believers filled with the Spirit of God did. He began to baptize people in the name of Jesus. He began to pray for people that were sick and they were healed. He began to pray for people that were possessed of devils and they were delivered and made clean. The Lord used Philip to do all that, and the Bible says there was great joy in that city. But the Bible says that as of yet... None of those people that he prayed for that had been healed or that had been delivered or had been baptized, none of them as of yet had received the gift of the Holy Ghost. All right? That's in Acts chapter 8 if you want to read it later. But it said Peter and John, who were in Jerusalem, when they heard that those in Samaria had received the word of God, right, because so far it just been Jews, but now we got these Samaritans that have received the word of God. Peter and John said, let's go down there. And so Peter and John went to Samaria. I don't know if they were going to check it out to make sure it was the real deal. I don't know. They were went. I believe they probably had oversight. They went down to Samaria and they saw the work of the Lord happening that God was doing with Philip and others. And the Bible says they began to pray and they began to lay hands on those people. And they began to receive the Holy Ghost. So sometimes God sends a man. Now, I don't think Peter and John stayed there. And I think people kept getting the Holy Ghost in Samaria from then forward. A few weeks ago, I began praying, God, we have people that desire to be filled with the Spirit that have not yet. And you desire to give it. And so I'm, beginning, I'm praying every barrier be removed. Anything that would hinder that from taking place, God, remove it. If it's, if it's my own mind, if it's a thought, if it's something that's in the way that needs to be revealed to me or to them, or God, remove it. And because for us to do the work of the Spirit, we need to be filled with the Spirit so He can operate. Amen? And so He desires to do this. And so we prayed that way. My wife and I talked about it a few weeks ago. Matter of fact, as I understand it, she spoke to ladies at Ladies Prayer a couple Monday nights ago and Express that, and the ladies prayed that God would begin to fill people with the Holy Ghost. That's equipping for the work is what that is. All right? Well, I had even prayed, God, if you need to send somebody, send somebody. And uh, I have faith that the Lord is sending Brother Harris here with purpose. The kingdom's purpose. All right? So that's this Thursday night. 7 o'clock, I'll tell you, I announced it in the first service as well, so there's a possibility it might be pretty full in here. Um, so you do with that what you will. I'm covered in the blood. I got peace. Amen. We will also make it available online. Okay? This Thursday night. I, do I need to dismiss the kids still? Yes. Okay, thank you. Um, children ages 4 to 11, you can go to your classroom. God bless you as you love on your teacher and 
Open your ears and your heart to hear and receive. Bless Brother Juan as he trips his children lovingly. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Are you ready for the word of the Lord today? The Spirit of the Lord is here to minister to us today. And Brother Johnstone is going to bring the word. I appreciate Brother and Sister Johnstone so much. They do more than any of us realize. They're faithful in prayer. They're faithful in words of encouragement. I'll get texts from Brother Johnstone all the time. Just encouragement. Just encouragement. And so love and appreciate them. He's willing to do whatever. He works around the church. He's just got a heart of a servant. And uh, it's very humbling to me. He's pastored for 40 years, and here he is serving. And I, I love them, appreciate them so much. And so he's going to come, and the Lord's going to use him this morning. So would you receive the word of God through the man of God today? Amen. Praise the Lord, Elder. Could we worship the Lord right now? Let's just ask the Lord to have his way this morning. He definitely has a plan and a purpose for all of us. Everything that, that is going to be done today should be the plan of God. Lord, we need your help today. We can't do this in ourselves. It's not in talent. It's not in ability, God. It's in the submission to you, to your will, to your plan, to your purpose for this service today, God. And so we're asking you today, God, to be with us in the spirit and power of your might, God. We ask that you would be glorified and magnified, God. Father, we want to thank you for the healings that have already taken place at the beginning of this service, Lord. I thank you for it, Lord God. Everyone that received it, that accepted it in the Holy Ghost, Lord God. And we thank you for it today, God. We thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Everybody say influence. I grew up with influence. You have grown up with influence in your life. The influence I grew up with was not in a church family. Never one time in my childhood did we ever attend church as a family. That, that never happened. Um, so the influence in my life was not the things of God. It was the things of this world. I just thought it'd be cool to be a bad guy. I, I don't influence. I'm just talking about influence this morning and, and how I grew up. And many of you know my backgrounds in professional rodeo because I grew up in a rodeo home. With that comes a lot of fighting and drinking and violence and crime and a lot of other things that are connected to that lifestyle. That was the influence in my life. It's probably been four or five years ago I got a phone call from Washington Middle School. And they said, we would like for you to come and teach an anger management class at our school. Honestly, honestly, I thought, man, you know, I'm about 63 years old and I need a challenge in my life. <laughs> I've been teaching 30 some years and dear God, I had no idea what I was getting into. And so out of 800 students, they said, we're going to give you the 20 worst we have in the school. Violence and hurt, pain, rejection, they've dealt with all of it. I remember walking into that room the first day, and I asked all 20 students, what is your goal in life? We went around the room, 
It was unanimous. All 20 of them agreed, I want to be a gangbanger. No one could set their sights any higher than a career in prison or dying young on the streets. I'm talking about influence. I'm talking about a 13-year-old girl that shares a story with me. When the police shot her dad on the front porch, she held him, his head in her lap while he died. I'm talking about a 13-year-old boy that watched his brother be shot and killed in a drive-by and was holding him. Everybody say influence. I'm just talking about the influences that have been in our lives. But today there is a different influence in the Holy Ghost in this place. At the age of 24, there was an influence that came into my life when somebody began to witness to me. Somebody began to reach for me with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they were patient. And, 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 and I was slow getting here. Believe me, this didn't happen overnight. You know, when, when my pastor would witness to me, I'm not interested. No, thank you. I love my life of pain and hurt and rejection. I'm, you know, I'm just loving it up. I can't wait for more. But he never, his influence in my life, where he never gave up on me, and he would call me, and he would come to our home, and he would knock on our door because there was an influence that God wanted in my life. Uh, I didn't think I needed it. I didn't think I even wanted it. But thank God that his ways are above my ways. Thank God that his thoughts were above my thoughts. And he knew this young man needs me. And the influence of my spirit working in his life. You may be here this morning and you may be like me. I, I don't know about all this. I looked at this church thing, watched everybody. In fact, my first time to a Pentecostal church, they scared me half to death. I didn't even hear a church and they're running the aisles and women are shouting and dancing. I'm telling my wife, we got to get out of here. <laughs> And they think I'm crazy. <laughs> but when I was trying to get out, the influence of God's spirit was trying to get in. And so we begin to realize that God, uh, dealing with ministering angels, is bringing influence into your life through many channels. God loves you so much that he, he is doing this work in your behalf. Honestly, I didn't understand the hand of God in my life and how he was leading me to the place he wanted me to be. But I thank God he never gives up on you and I. I thank God he'll keep working in every angle and every dimension because he loves you that much. He's not going to give up on you. I'm thankful that there's a day I gave up on being who I wanted to be. I gave up on the influences of the world, the influences of the people around me, and said, God, I just need you. I've come to that realization, and all the knots on my head and the setbacks and all that I come, God, I need you more than I need anything else. Turn with me to Jeremiah, the 18th chapter. I want to read verses 1 through 6 to set a little bit of a, foundation in the word of God for where we're headed today because I want to 
stay on this thought in your mind of influences, influences. What are the influences in my life? What am I allowing in my life? What is healthy for my life? And how is God uh, allowing things to happen? This morning when Elder was talking about receiving virtue, I, I, I don't know what you did, but I said, God, I receive it. I'm here to receive whatever you have for me this morning. I had no idea that that would happen this morning. You may have no idea what's about to happen this morning, but could you open your spirit up if God speaks to you? And could you come to that place? God, I receive it. God, I'm going to accept this. I don't understand everything about it. In fact, I don't even know where it's going to end up in my life. But for here today and for now, I'm going to receive it. I'm going to accept what you've got for my life. And so God has got great things for your life. What God could use you to accomplish would baffle you today. Where God could take you in the work of his kingdom if I allow his influence in my life. It could be unreal to the thousands that you could influence by your ministry, by your testimony, by where God is working in your life because you don't know what he's going to do. Coming from a broken home and not learning to read and write till the age of 24, I began to learn at the age of 24. I didn't know how to read and write at 24. That's when I began to learn how to read and write. I'm here to tell you God has taken me places and done things in my life. If you would have asked me at the age of 24, would that ever happen? I'd have said, you're crazy. Never could I imagine God working in my life in that way. I'm here to tell somebody, if you could surrender and submit yourself to God, God would do things in your work, in the work of your spirit, that you would love. That you would just be in awe that the king of glory is working in my life. He saw virtue in me. He saw value in me. He saw worth in me that, that he would work in my life. And what I had to do was learn how to surrender to that and submit myself to God and say, okay, God, let your will be done. I was one to the Lord in a city of 385 people. I'm going to say it again because it goes over everybody's head. 300 and 85 people. It's kind of like, honestly, we, we lived on the end of the county, and we had a very bad reputation. If you would bring up Monroe, nobody had anything good to say about it. A lot of crime, a lot of drugs, a lot of problems there, okay? Schools were riddled with drugs. They're just, just a lot of problems. So you can see where a kid at the age of 24 thinking, what good could come out of Monroe? <laughs> but you've got to realize God's bigger than your situation. God's bigger than where you live right now. God's bigger than what you're going through right now. And he can bring you out of that situation and turn everything around for his glory. And, and you and I can begin to embrace that and to realize, man, look what the Lord has done in my life. And, and, and then a spirit of praise comes into our heart. And we begin thankful because God, thank you for where you brought me from and to where I've been. You have an ability to change so much. Let's begin. And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. And the, and the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I'll cause thee to hear my words. 
influence. I want you to hear my words. I'm going to cause you to hear some things. Every one of us this morning, it's going to be up to you and it's going to be up to me. Will I not only just hear, but will I become a doer of what God is wanting to speak into my life? If not here, then when? Come on. I'll do it tomorrow. No, no, we need to do whatever God is asking us to surrender, to submit, to walk away from, to dedicate to today. Today is the day that he's working in this particular way in my life. He's drawing me by his spirit. He's got a plan and a purpose for my life. I want to yield to that. Then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in his hand, in the hand of the potter. So he made it again. Everybody said he made it again. Another vessel has seen good to the potter. I want you to realize God's never given up on you. He may have to remake you a ton of times, but I'm here to tell you, he ain't never given up on you. I'm glad he doesn't give up. I'm glad for his God's patience. Even when we said, leave me alone. Leave me alone. I don't want to hear it. Don't talk to me. I don't want nothing to do with this. Thank God. He said, poor kid doesn't know what he's thinking. I'm just going to keep working. (laughs) Don't raise your hand. But how many of us have said some really stupid things to the Lord? (laughs) Or prayed some really stupid things afterwards? Did I really pray that? Did I? (laughs) Thank you for mercy. Thank you for not listening to that. Thank you for not answering that. God is patient. with You know what God said? I'm just going to put you back on the wheel and remake you. That You don't want that. You don't need that influence in your life because I want my influence to be the only influence in your life. I want to influence every decision you make. I want to influence you where you go. I want to influence you in what you do. I want that in my life. I, I strive for that in my life. God help us. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O oh, oh, house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. I know today that the scripture here in the book of Jeremiah is dealing with the house of Israel. But I think we're very aware today that God deals with individuals also. We'll look in scripture today and realize he's the potter and I am the clay. And it is God who wants to shape and mold me. The word potter here means one who forms or shapes. He's the potter. I'm the clay. So God's plan and purpose of our lives at conception was, I want my hand on your life. I want the hand of God on my life. Now I understand today that is not a literal hand that he's talking about, but I want God's influence on my life. I want God's presence in my life. And and, and if you and I could begin to realize that's what I need. I need the hand of God on my life and wherever I go, whatever I do and whoever he asks me to witness to, to pray for, whatever comes up that God, your hand, I want your hand on my life to do this. I don't want to do it in myself. I want to do it when you're beckoning me to do it when you're calling me to do it and when you're asking me to do it 
Pottery was major in Scripture, especially during this time in the Old and New Testament here, because pottery was used for cooking, for uh, uh, storing things, uh, drinking out of, shipping liquids. It was used for everything. Pottery, amazingly enough, after it was killed, put in the kiln and fire, was very, very durable. It was a, a very hard product once it came into the completion of what was there. And so we begin to realize that, that God is using an illustration here. Turn with me into Psalms chapter uh, 40. And, and we're going to come back to the book of Jeremiah in a minute, but I want to go to Psalms 40 and, and help us realize that we're all made of the dust of the ground. It's, a, it's a, an ingredient in our life. Isn't it amazing how boys love to play in the dirt? It's not my fault. It's how God made me. You ever see a boy miss a mud puddle? If he's walking somewhere, ain't going to happen. Or just something on the inside said, man, this is what I'm made out of. This is what I want to roll in. This is what I want to eat. This is, I, I just, it's not his fault. So be gentle, Mom. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Notice what the psalmist David is saying here. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. God brought me up and out. I was down in life. Uh, I, I wasn't, you know, I might think I'm doing okay, but really I'm, I'm not doing so good. I'm in a pit, and it's not just a regular pit. It's a horrible pit. I mean, there's bitterness in that pit. There's hatred in that pit. There's rejection in that pit. There's loneliness in that pit. There's no friends in that pit. Oh, there's acquaintances, but I'm talking about a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I'm talking about somebody when the chips are down, they're there with you. I taught for 20 years in a county jail, and the Lord allowed me to build two churches out of recovering people. The thing I would ask him, I said, where's your buddies? How many visits have you got from your buddies? 20 years, 20 years, no visits. I said, how much money, Brother Lewis, did they put on your books, you know? There was something to eat, some snacks, you know, pencil, some paper, you know, just something to draw, do like that. Not one in 20 years said that their buddy came and put money on their book. Don't think those guys got your back. Oh, I got your back, really. Not one visit, no money on the books. So I've got to realize who are my friends? Who does care for me? Who does love me? Who is giving the right type of influence into my life that I really need in my life? And so he begins to help us. So he brings me up out of the, the miry clay. That miry clay, that word miry means uh, to, to despise. Uh, it, it means muddy. It means murky. If any of you walked, uh, not too much on this side of the mountain, but if you ever get to the other side of the mountain, it rains all the time in the winter. Put a pair of rubber boots on and walk down through the field and see if you can get back with your rubber boots on. Because you can step in mud and the boot stays in the mud and your foot comes out. That's what he, where he found me. 
was in that miry clay, stuck in that type of situation. Do you realize you can't get yourself out? You're not smart enough. You're, you're not talented enough. You're not gifted enough. Well, how do you know? You'd already be out. If you could have done it, you'd have been out. You'd have said, nope, don't come to my house with that dope anymore because I quit. You just quit on your own. You just said, I'm done gangbanging, so don't even call me up for the next drive-by. It don't work that way, though, does it? No, there's addictions. There's things that get a hold of our lives that we find ourselves that only God can set the captive free. Only God can bring the deliverance. I am so amazed by the power of God and men and women who are so bound by the addiction of drugs, of heroin and meth and everything. And just simply, as elders said today, laying hands upon them and praying a, a, a prayer of deliverance and God taking away urge, desire and crave just like that for them never to pick it back up. There's a man today pastoring the church which was my first pastorate and where I came to God. You talk about angels, brother. He's my neighbor. We lived out in the country, but he was up across the road. The Lord had spoke to him. He was having heart attacks at 38. He would drink a fifth of whiskey every day. He'd do three lines of crank. Uh, he would take, he had a bad back, so he'd take about three pain pills a day. And then drink alcohol on top of that was his coping skills to get through. So he began to have some heart attacks and already gone to the hospital several times at the age of 38. I got a phone call one day in the afternoon, about one o'clock in the afternoon. His name was Steve. And, and Steve called me, said, I'm dying of a heart attack. Would you please come help me? So I said, yes, I'll be right there. And I and I called for an ambulance uh, and ran up the hill. He's laying out in the front yard. And when I get up there, I said, Steve, I don't know nothing about medicine. You, got, you called the wrong guy if you need a doctor. I said, but I know how to pray. So I'm going to lay hands on you right now, and I'm going to pray for you because you called the preacher. <laughs> so I started, I laid hands on him, and I began to pray, God, have mercy. And I can hear the sirens coming because we're a couple miles out of town. You, you can hear all that, and I'm sharing with him and ministering to him. And, and it was kind of a bad day anyway to call me because I had another situation where I was supposed to go do funeral arrangements for a 22-year-old girl killed in a drunk driving accident and she was drunk and, and, and drinking and so I didn't want to tell him I can't go to the hospital with you right now I said but I'll meet up with you I didn't want to tell him she died and I got to go do a funeral so I'm trying to keep him encouraged a little bit because you know <laughs> so I said we'll, we'll get to the hospital my wife and I will we'll get to the hospital and we'll see you there. We showed up at the hospital at 11 o'clock that night. Well, we got there earlier, but they wouldn't let us in until 11 o'clock that night. He never called his family or nobody. He waited on my wife and I to get there and walk into that room. That's nothing. You know what amazed me? He shares this story a little bit later. He said, I want you to know several weeks back. Now, this ain't a Christian guy, okay? He said, the Lord spoke to me and said, call Curtis. And he's having a heart attack. He's laying on the floor, and the Lord speaks to him and says, call Curtis. And he said, no, I ain't calling him. And, and the Lord said, you call him, which I believe was a ministering angel. 
because we've been praying for 14 years for this guy to be saved. So he said, okay, God, I'll call him. And he gets up, and the pain goes away, and he doesn't call me. Four or five days later, another heart attack comes. He's on the floor, and God said, I told you to call Curtis. Oh, God, I can't call him. I'm not, I'm not calling him. He said, then here we go. Okay, okay, God, I'll, I'll call him. If you'll let me up, I'll come. He gets up second time. Pain goes away. He said, I ain't calling him. Now, I don't know any of this is taking place. This is afterwards. The third time when he's on the floor with another heart attack, the Lord doesn't let him up, and he has to lift up his hand and grab the phone <laughs> while he's laying on the floor <laughs> and bring it down. God's merciful today. I don't know if everybody gets three chances. I don't know. I know he's pastoring the church today, though. I know that God delivered him that day in the yard laying before an ambulance could get there. Of All the addictions of this world were gone. We're gone. Never picked him back up. See, he brings me up out of the miry clay. And he sets my feet on a rock. A rock. Christ is that rock. He sets me on that rock. Now, I'm not complete yet. I'm not whole yet. Living for God is a lifelong journey. You got to understand, we're never going to get there till we get to the other side. I'm not going to come to a place that I've accomplished all that God has for me. He showed me all that he's going to show me. No, no. Every day God's going to move in my life, move in your life, move in your life. This is the rest of my life. And I still really won't have a clue. Because he's so awesome and powerful and wonderful. I mean, I'm thankful for everything the Lord shows me. Don't get me wrong this morning. But I'm talking about he's got to help me. I remember one man said this, made this statement. He said, if God opened up your head and put this Bible in it and closed it back up, it'd kill you. You couldn't handle all the wisdom of God. But over time... I can grow in grace and in knowledge and, and, and receive the wisdom of God and walk in the wisdom of God. So, again, he begins to help us realize we're gonna, he's going to pull us out of this. Now, when he when the, the potter, he puts this lump of clay on a wheel that is spinning round and round. And he, and he would take his hand and he would begin to shape it. And if you ever look at pictures of the potter working, it, it's kind of messy, isn't it? I mean, there's water and he's got this, this kind of a... Uh, a bib thing on with plastic because, you know, he's going to get soaked if he doesn't. Uh, and yet he's, he's designing something. He has something in mind. I'm either going to make a bowl. I'm going to make a cup. I'm, I'm going to make a storage thing. I want you to understand God had something in mind for you when he created you. When you were put on the potter's wheel in conception, God already had a plan for your life. He gave you a name. Oh, no, my mom and dad didn't. No, no, God was the one that dealt with that. And he, why? I already know what I got for your life. Now, when I was... 23, even when I was 24 and the Lord called me to preach, I said, wrong guy. Wrong guy. <laughs> no, sir. I ain't going to do it. I don't even want to do it. You know, most people just can't wait to get in the ministry. <laughs> and I'm kicking and fighting all the way. You know the influence in my life? A denominal preacher's kid and I were good friends 
and he was a bigger devil than me. <laughs> so the influence in my life is if you go down this road, whoa. Let me tell you something. I, I remember in my days before coming to God, there was a denominal guy that we traveled to rodeos together, and he would always try to get me to go to church with him. And I never went one time. And I remember when I came to the Lord, he said, why didn't you ever go to church with me? I invited you over and over. I said, because I knew how you and I were living is contrary to you and I walking in that building with no intentions of changing. Now, folks, I'd never opened the Bible up. I'd never read the Bible. I had no idea what Genesis or Revelation was. I'm here to tell you, I was clueless to a Bible at the age of 24. But there was something in me called God working in my life. Now, I'm not filled with the Holy Ghost or anything. But all I know is I know the difference between right and wrong. And you, before you came to God, you know the difference between right and wrong. You know we really shouldn't be doing this. I told him that. I said, no. I knew we're going to the bar when we got out. And I ain't going to do it. You and I know what's right. That's why a lot of times when people would come to me in my years of pastoral work, they say, Pastor, what do I need to do on about this? I said, just do what's right. You already got the answer. You're hoping I will give you a wrong answer. <laughs> then you can blame me and go do what you want to do. But oh, no, no, it don't work that way. You already know what the right thing to do is. You just need to obey God and go do the right thing in how to handle it. So he, he's bringing me up out of, of this clay. Why? He's got a design for my life. He's got a plan for my life. When he puts me on the wheel, <clears throat> uh, there's some places they call marred in the clay. The marred part is just simply a real hard substance uh, that is not pliable to, to the hand of the potter. And so what the potter does, he takes that vessel off of the wheel. And, and he has to reach into it somewhere. I'm going to give you a word that the Lord gave me and he won't let me change it, okay? He had to root out. Now I'm thinking, really? Uh, we could do a better word than root out. Because in my mind, to root out, it's kind of like a pig. He's root, rooting out, you know. But, but evidently, somewhere, God said, no, they need that rooted out of their life. Uh, that can't stay. We've got to get that hard. What if I've just got a hard heart? What if it's, what if it's bitterness? I'll never, and I've heard this a hundred times, I'll never forgive them. Got to root it out. I sit in a treatment center where we taught in Oregon, and lady looks at me, her and her husband were in there, and they says, how do you know when you've forgiven somebody? I said, oh, that's really simple. And she said, well, how do you know? I said, well, what's his name? <laughs> when you can't say or mention his name, or somebody else mentions his name, and you get mad, you haven't forgiven. If you've forgiven them, and you hear that name, I've already put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. I've already dealt with that. I've already let go of that. And that begins my gauge to understand, especially when people have hurt you and wronged you. We've all been wrong, folks. We've all been hurt by life. I remember hating to hear my father's name when people at rodeos would ask me, have you seen your dad? Because my mom and dad divorced when I was pretty young. And people would ask me, have you seen your dad? And I hated it. 
Just, I was so bitter. I was so filled with hate for him. And how could you abandon us? And how could you not pay child support? How could you not care what happened to us? It's all about you, 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 you. But I remember realizing one day when God began to deal with me, he said, we got to root this out. This thing needs to be dug out. And I'm going to take you off the wheel for a moment. And I'm going to root that out of you. And now I'm going to have to put you back on the wheel so I can make another vessel. Because this particular vessel being marred in there, being filled with bitterness or hate or unforgiveness, can't accomplish what God has got for your life. That, that can't, you can't have both. So God roots these things out in, in whatever means that God chooses through other people, through situations, through trials or whatever. But God roots it out for his glory. I'm so thrilled today I don't have bitterness toward my dad. I'm thrilled today that there's peace. I'm thrilled today that I understand it's a part of life. Life's not always fair, and you can have good parents and bad parents. You can, you can have it all, but, but sometimes you don't get it. There was a question asked in anger management on Tuesday. Brother Manuel was teaching, and a man, an elderly gentleman made this statement. He said, uh, uh, as Brother Manuel was teaching about coming out of broken homes, and we follow the pattern of influence, and he said, I had a dad for a doctor, and I think a mom for a teacher. He said, what happened to me? I felt in the Holy Ghost. I said, you ever been smothered? So you can smother kids. Don't let them go anywhere. Don't let them do anything. Don't smother them and they rebel. Were you so strict? Were they so strict with you? Or was it because they were never around? They were so busy in their careers that they were never around and you chose to go another path in the influence. Unfortunately for me growing up, I ran with older kids, you know, three, four years older than me, which is not a good deal. Like when I'm a freshman in high school, I'm running with seniors, okay? Not a good deal. In fact, the principal brought me in the office, and we had a slight discussion about it. He said, they're ready to graduate, and you ain't even close. <laughs> so you can't skip school all the time. You're going to have to realize you've got to show up and be in the class. See, but those influences were in my life, and if I allowed them in my life, they would take me to a place where I would really regret it some years later. I wish I'd have learned to read in the first grade. That was something that I regretted that I didn't, you know, somewhere buckle on. And I flunked the first grade. I have 13 years. I crammed 13 into 12. Most of you do it in 12. Some of you do it in 11. But I had the ability to do it in 13. I just don't, you know, teacher was slick, man. She came to me and she said, hey, Curtis, would you stay again this, come back and be in the first grade next year and help me with all these students? Hey, man, teacher, I'd be glad to. Give me five. <laughs> I think somebody else had to tell me, no, you flunked at brain. <laughs> You didn't get anything out of the first grade. And we're going to try this again. Aren't you glad that God doesn't give up on you? Come on, if you fail a trial, you think he's going to kick you out? No, come on back. We're going to get this down, and then we'll move on. But till we get you through this place in your walk with God, I really can't promote you. I remember we had a kid turning 15 in the eighth grade, and they thought, we just can't keep him any longer. Can you be driving to the grade school? And... <laughs> 
I'm true story. So they promoted him to junior, to high school because back then they had grades one through eight and then four through 12. And now we're going to have him driving to school. Just how it is. That's my life. I, I don't, you all might have a bed of roses. You, everything went good for you. But I'm here to tell you, I thank God for his influence in my life. I thank God that, that he brought me out. And he put me back on the wheel. Even though there was a lot of problems in my life, he kept his hand on my life. And he continued to shape and to mold my life until it started. Till it started. Till it started coming into some resemblance of what he had for my life. He's not done with me yet. So God's hand is on your life today. The resemblance is he's trying to create you in his image. God is love. God's trying to create a spirit of love in you that you've never had before. You've never even understood. Now you understand the world's version of it. I'm going to talk about God's influence of love in your life. That when you make a mistake, he doesn't throw you away. Aren't you glad that when the potter's got his hand on that piece of clay and it's marred, they didn't say, piece of junk. <laughs> Dear God, ain't there any good clay around here? No, no, no. It's good clay. We just got some attitudes to deal with. We just got some addictions to get out. We just got some problems over here, but it's still going to make a pretty good vessel when it's done. Once God begins to to bring you into shape of his image. When the clay vessel is done, it sits for a couple of days to dry out because it's very, very wet. Then they put it in a kiln and they fire it or they cure it. Still takes fire to purify you and I today. It takes the fire of God. I'm glad we're baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Why? God said you're going to need that in your life. For me, for me to work in your life and you to come into the place I've got for your life. And for you to learn how to submit to me and allow my work in your spirit. This, this is going to have to take place. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you, though some strange thing happened to you. You need to be fired. Your, your vessel, we've got to have that. It's what helps me become more Christ-like. That trial that, how am I going to get through this? Oh, that's right. Lord, I depend on you. God, there's no way around it, no way through it. But God, I surrender to your will. And however you want me to move forward, that will I do. That's what the trial is about. The trial. It's to create in me a Christ likeness. To create in me, I'm going to trust God. This is bigger than me, but not bigger than him. No clue to the outcome, but he already knows the end from the beginning. So now I'm going to trust you, Lord, that I need this in my life. I need you to speak to me in a way that, that I can, can be what you're asking me to be. I wonder this morning... Would you not push away the master's hand on your life today? I want the hand of God in my life. And for somebody here today, this may be kind of new for you. But I'm here to tell you what you really need is the hand of God on your life. That comes when I repent.
God, I'm sorry. You know, I've been trying to run my own life and do my own thing for years. My goals, my ambitions, and in my way. And believe me, I got a lot of knots on my head trying to do it my way. My thoughts and my ambitions. Till I come to the place of saying, God, what do you have for my life? What do you have for my life? And when I could yield to that, I remember in repentance how the Spirit of God worked in my life. I remember going to the waters of baptism. Now, forgive me, you know, and don't want no damper on this, but, but I remember looking at the preacher, my pastor, and saying, do you really think this will work? Because <laughs> he's telling me I'm going to have, my sins are all going to be washed away, and, and I got quite a list going, and... Uh, and I know it's by faith, and I don't even have any of that at that time, probably, or very, very little of it. And so my question was kind of honest. Do you know what I'm saying? You, you really think this will work? Just going to do what you say it'll do. I remember going out, ice spitting out of heaven and walking out into a river like the Yakima River. It was the McKenzie River at that time, walking out in that river, being baptized. And all my sins were washed away. Poor people down river. <laughs> Hopefully nobody was swimming. <laughs> I can go back today to that city of 385 people. By the way, it's up to 600 now. Uh, I can go back to that city, and there was a little strip mall built and, again, the, the rooms were the size of a small garage. We're not talking big mall here. We'd get about 50 people in the building tight. I can go back there, which is an accountant the last time I was there. But I could go into that place. I could say, excuse me, I know you don't know me, but could I move your desk for a minute? And I could move that desk over. And I could say, this is where I got the Holy Ghost. Right here. Right here is where God filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And my life has never been the same since. See, there was a coming to a place that, that not only just the forgiveness of sins, that I could repent and ask for forgiveness, and God would be there. And then the blood would be applied in the waters of baptism. But it was that God filled me with his spirit. Now, I don't know how it works for you, but for me, it was a confirmation on my spirit. You know what I'm saying? The other two could be me. Carnal as that may be, but, but the other two could have been, okay, I'm just doing what the preacher said. But the one thing I knew was this, the preacher can't fill me with the Holy Ghost. Only he can fill me with the Holy Ghost. And so when I was in an altar praying and seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and he filled me, a great confidence came into my life. Now, I don't mean confidence in myself, but a confidence that God loved me. That the hand of God was on my life and that God had a plan for my life. God knows what he's doing in your life. When God fills you with the Holy Ghost, God is love. And there's a baptism of his love that comes into your life that begins to change you for the rest of your life. The spirit of God. That spirit is so powerful that sometimes we find ourselves straying away from God influences and, and jobs and too long of hours and, and other things that we may want to get our hands on, things, 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 things. And we find ourselves sometimes, we wake up one morning, how did I get this far from God? You know what is so awesome? 
pray back through to the Holy Ghost. And it is amazing. God gives you brand new perspective. He clears things back up where the enemy clouded your thinking, clouded your vision. Oh, you got to have, you got to have, you got to have. And, and when we are renewed in the Holy Ghost, God said, this is what you need. Would you stand with me? You may be here today and you've never completely submitted to God. I feel in the Holy Ghost, this is what God is looking for today. I have way more verses here dealing with the potter and the clay. How can the clay say to the potter, you know, talking back to him? No, no, you, God's going to create you how he planned your life. I can tell you today in, in 40 years of living for God, I'm one happy camper. Got to have goals in life. But one of my goals in life was when I came to God was that I wouldn't die until I had lived more years in the church than I did in the world. So when I come up on the age of 48, I was happy. Still alive. <laughs> Got to 49 more years in the church than I give my life to the enemy. Come on. Somewhere we begin to realize the real joy is in serving God. The real joy is allowing him to be the potter. His hands are trying to form you into something miraculous. What if you are the one this morning that God's trying to put virtue into that you're going to lay hands on somebody and you're going to see the Lord heal them? Now, many of you have seen that already, but I'm talking that some may be new today that you've not yet got to experience God working through you in that type of dimension. In order for that to happen, he's got to be the potter, and I have got to remain the clay. I've got to remain on the wheel. It, I can't jump off the wheel. I got it. I'm done. I'm out of here. No, no. For his work to be accomplished in my life, I have to let him Take me off the wheel and say, now you're ready. You're a vessel of honor, ready for the work of the kingdom of God. Now I can go forth. We have this treasure in earth and vessels. What treasure do I have? I got the spirit of God. I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost in this earth and vessel. And there are times that he may ask me to lay hands on somebody. Maybe times I witness with somebody. Maybe times I lay hands on people to pray with them to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. My sensitivity is important. If not now, when? If not here, where? God has made an appointment with you today. And he would love for you to yield to this divine appointment and complete surrender to God and to his will. Could we lift our hands and pray right now? Father, we come to you. Your spirit is here, Lord God. You're calling this morning, God. You're beckoning this morning, Lord God. Vessels, Lord, in the name of Jesus. You are the potter and we are the clay, God. And Lord, we may have fought against the hand of God in our lives, but I, I pray today, God, there would come a surrender to that today, God. That I, I'm done fighting, God. I'm, I'm done trying to do it my way and in my time and how I want it done, Lord God. 
But Lord, I'm here to surrender because I, I, I can't outlast you, God. I, I can't outdo you, Lord God. I'm asking for your help today, Father. Forgive me, Lord God, of running my own life, trying to be in charge of my own will and my own plans, Lord God. I come to you today that, Lord God, help me. Help me today, Lord God, as I would repent of my sins today, God. Forgive me, I pray, Father, of of trying to do it on my own, trying to do my own way when your hand is truly on my life. And I know your hand is there, Lord God. I know you're calling me. I know you're drawing me by your spirit today, God. Oh, help us today, God. Help us, I pray this morning, in a yielding to you, in a giving way to the spirit that is drawing this morning, the drawing this morning, Lord God. I want to open this altar this morning. You may be here this morning, and you'd like to come to an altar. An altar is a place of death, a place of repentance, a place of surrender to God. And, and, and there's just something about stepping out by faith and, and coming to that place and saying, God, I'm here today to surrender, God. Uh, Lord, uh, if my life's marred by anything, I pray, God, uh, help root it out of my life, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, God, put me back on the wheel today, God. Put me back on the wheel, God. Put your hand on my life, God. Begin to shape and to mold me into the into the vessel you've called me to be God in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Lord, I pray this morning, God, move. 